Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I'm Nate Maxson, your host. Now, before we start the show this week officially, I just wanted to take some time, a little bit of your time at the beginning of the show, to let you know about the CWF Legends Fan Fest, Championship Wrestling from Florida. If you were a fan or are a fan of the old stuff from Florida, um, the event is being promoted by a friend of the show, Barry Rose, who also hosts a great podcast, Breaking Kayfabe with Bowden and Barry. Definitely search for that one on your favorite podcast app. And uh, Barry will be promoting this show. It is going to be taking place November 9th, 2019 at the Marriott Residence Inn in Lutes, Florida, off the Suncoast Parkway. And tickets are available to only 150 fans, which I think is great because it's going to give you, the fan, a very personalized experience at the show. I think it's just a great move on Barry's part to limit the tickets so that everybody that pays for tickets can actually have that great experience. The show is going to feature uh, the main event guy. It is going to be there is Barry Windham. Also, a legendary Four Horsemen manager, J.J. Dillon, Rocky Johnson, Dutch Mantel, Kendall Kendall Wyndham, Tony Gurria, and many more. So um, please do give that. If you're going to be in that area or you can be in that area on November 9th, I highly recommend getting tickets to the CWF Legends Fan Fest. Tickets are available on eventbrite.com. Just search for the CWF Legends Fan Fest 6. And um, like I said, give the show a chance and uh, and just support CWF Legends Fan Fest and go check it out. It's going to be a fantastic uh, experience, I believe. Barry Windham is actually going to be signing autographs, taking photos, and then sitting down for an intimate two-hour two dinner Q&A session. So, I mean, you don't get much more personal than that. So, good job, Barry, on the show, and, and best of luck. And... Um, Hopefully, some of our listeners will be able to attend. That's again, that's the CWF Legends Fan Fest, November 9th in Lutes, Florida. Now, that being said, let's get the uh, the We Can't Wrestle podcast started for this week. I'll bring Aaron in, and we will get started. All right, in episode seventy four of the We Can't Wrestle podcast has officially began. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello. After us figuring out some technical difficulties we had the last time we tried to record the show, we are back in business. I'm going to send some negative feedback to Skype. <laughs> or our oh, internet provider, oh, one of the shit. two. Or our internet provider, one of the two. For this week's show, we are going to have um, a top ten returns. We're going to talk about our top ten most iconic moments in pro wrestling. And uh, actually, I put out to our Facebook group for 
listeners to comment on what they thought were icon the most iconic moments in wrestling. So I will uh, also read those as people comment on that. I know we record late, so some people are probably like, well, fuck you guys, I'm sleeping. But anyway. Did people the, already comment? Yes, I have a couple here. Um, and we will, I will address those as we go through the top tens. We'll try to try a little interactive there with the show. Um, as um, I, I do want to say real quick, I know you said you haven't watched it yet, but uh, anybody listening to the show, if you have not yet watched the NXT NXT Takeover Cardiff, I highly recommend it. I would say Walter and Tyler Bate is the match of the year so far in professional wrestling, and it's uh, it was a better pay-per-view than any pay-per-view offering that I've seen from AEW so far. And I'm not an AEW hater. I'm not trying to hate on them. I'm just saying NXT UK is badass. I really like that promotion. But anyway, so top ten iconic moments in the history of professional wrestling. I will let you go first, my brother. Hold on. Um... Oh, go ahead. Because I don't want to forget. We haven't decided what we're doing next week. Correct? Correct. But I figured we'd do another um, group pay-per-view review. Okay. And I would let you select. Okay? Okay. And this is a collection of WWE, or WWF, I should say, and... WCW and ECW pay-per-views, one through five. One through five? We're doing this on the fly. Pick a number, one through five. One through five. Middle of the card. Let's go number three. All right. Next week or whenever we record again, the pay-per-view review, and you can text Kyle, who unfortunately can't be with us because he's working mandatory overtime. Mm Mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes. You know. <laughs> uh, we are going to review ECW Anarchy Rules 1999. Anarchy Rules 99. We haven't done that yet, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I've seen that pay-per-view since 99. So. Right. Well, that's what we're reviewing. <clears throat> All right, we'll roll with that. ECW Anarchy Rules 99 review on the next show. Didn't mean to go off kilter or whatever. That's all right. This isn't the WWE. We don't have we don't have scripts. scripts. And <clears throat> iconic moments like how do I want to say it? Like like describe to me what you consider an iconic moment. Something that for me any top ten I do it's always personal anyway. It's something for me that when I th- these are things that when I think of of my wrestling fandom, these are moments that pop in my head. These are things that, right. like, it's it's the stuff you don't forget. You know what I mean? All right, that's that's what I was thinking too, and it's not necessarily something you had to like see in the moment, right? Except right. one that I didn't see in the moment. Oh yeah, me too. Actually, I have two. I was a baby. When one of them happened, and I was not even born when another <laughs> one happened, so no. But it's still it's still something that sticks in your mind, you know. When you think of pro wrestling, this is an iconic moment in pro wrestling. Okay. So were you start, or was I gonna start? Go ahead. Okay, I will start with um, 
Scott Hall walking down the um, the, um, the walking through the crowd in WCW. Scott Hall enters WCW. Coming into the ring during a match between The Mauler and Steve Dahl, I believe. Who was Stephen Dunn? Something like that. But Scott Hall coming down unannounced in his Canadian tuxedo (laughs) telling everybody, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Where's the nacho man? Yeah, and well, he did that when he was up on the stage, like up on the um, announcer's booth or whatever, but... I believe he did that during the initial promo too, though. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. But just that was um because there was shit when I was a kid I was a kid when that happened too you know but that was like the first thing when I was watching wrestling that blurred the line well and I was that's what I was just about to say holy shit like that dude's not supposed to be there. That's what Why I was just... is Ramon on, on Nitro? That's what I was just about to say. Modern wrestling fans probably don't... Uh, you know, post-internet wrestling fans, like, surprises aren't really a thing anymore. Like, a surprise finish can be, or a surprise storyline can be, but as far as somebody entering a promotion, nowadays, in the days of the internet, you pretty much know... Yeah, like... like five months... Not, not to downplay him, and like I said, I, I'm not going to hate on, like, AEW until they get on TV. Mm. Once they get on TV, I might hate on them. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, Dean Ambrose showing up on their pay-per-view was cool, but you knew it was going to happen. Right. You know what and, I mean? And I like, know... Like, I, you're sitting at home watching fucking Nitro at... at eight o'clock in the afternoon and holy shit Scott Hall's here and what people the fuck is going on? people in 1996 you know 96 uh I was probably well at that time I would have been 15 so you would have been what like 11 we weren't yeah, su- we weren't subscribers to the PW Torch of the Wrestling Observer yet you know what I mean so we didn't I mean, we didn't get, we didn't have inside info, and and as a fan at that time, it was like, well, son of a bitch, Razor Ramon is on, on the uh, WCW. Yeah, and and everybody did their job great on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, like Zabisco sold it well, and from everything I understand, everything I've read, and I've even heard Eric Bischoff say it. Bischoff wanted Scott to walk down the ramp. Mm-hmm. And Larry Zabisco was like, if he walks down the ramp, then how's it going to be believable that nobody knew he was here? Right. So Zabisco <clears throat> was bought in on it because it was his idea for him to walk through the crowd. Shivani did a good job because he basically said nothing. And like, like Colonel Rob Parker told the mauler to get get the fuck out like was like get the fuck out of the ring like mm-hmm. what what else like everything about that and, and and you can say what you want to say about later on with the nwo or everything 
But everything about that segment of the angle was done perfectly. Yeah, well, everything for the first six months of the NWO was done perfectly. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, absolutely, definitely. And, and, and people, people might want to say, oh, well, they didn't cut his mic off or whatever. Well, if you're a production person and this guy shows up, you're going to sit there and be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's one of the most well-done angles or segments, whatever you want to call it, in wrestling ever. Yeah, definitely. Showing up in WCW. <clears throat> definitely an iconic moment. Uh, more on the NWO later. I got a, I got one of them. Well, maybe I, I don't know if I have another NWO thing or not. I don't. And, well, I mean, if it didn't work, you could just be like, Scott Hall was drunk and thought he was at <laughs> So the first one on my list is the of iconic moments. And again, this is, you know, personal, personal preference, personal list. It is the, the Shawn Michaels, the end of Shawn Michaels' career at WrestleMania 26. Um, the match itself is fantastic, not as fantastic as the WrestleMania 25 match with The Undertaker, but the match is fantastic. But the end of that match was the perfect way, because we're going to ignore the fact that Shawn Michaels took that Saudi money, just like I ignore the fact that Flair wrestled in TNA. Um, the, the, the end of that match, to me, is, is perfection. You know, the, the, Shawn Michaels was always the guy that had the, the... He was the little guy that had, that had the attitude and the mouth bigger than he actually was, if that makes sense. Was that him fighting Taker? Yeah, it, well, in general, his character was like that, but the way his career ended, I the match. yeah, yeah, it was him and Taker, WrestleMania 26, and he slaps the piss out of The Undertaker, and then The Undertaker gives him the damnedest tombstone, and that's what took Shawn Michaels out, and I, just the finish to that match, to me, is, is, is perfection, it's a finish, it's a perfect finish to Shawn Michaels' career. You know me, man. I'm like, uh, I'd say after probably, was that before or after they did like the Hell in a Cell match? Or was it the Hell in a Cell match? No, I'm talking about the end of Sean's career. The the career. Well, I know, but, but Taker and Triple H fought in the Hell in a Cell. Oh, right? yeah. No, that was before that. Okay. Yeah, because Taker, Taker did two years with Michaels, and then after Michaels retired, he did two years uh, with Triple H. Was that the one where Sean was like, Undertaker came from hell and Sean came from heaven? No, that was 25. Oh, my God. 26 is the one, that... 26 is the one in Phoenix in the toaster. And Sean, Undertaker has Sean down, and Sean, like, climbs up him, like, uses his pants and climbs up him. I remember that one. And then slaps the fuck out of him. Because Undertaker's, like, showing mercy or whatever, and then he slaps the fuck out of him, and Undertaker picks him up and does, like, a jumping tombstone. And yeah, Sean, like, bounces off the mat 
and then Taker pins him. And it just, to me, with Sean's career and the way Sean's character was, it was the perfect end to his career. One last, like, suck it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I remember that now. Sorry. Oh, no, that's all right. A lot of those old, like, old, a lot of those newer WrestleManias get lost on me, but... Because you're a bigger, newer fan than I am, you know? But, yeah, I remember that. But, yeah, that one that one sticks out with me. Shawn Michaels' retirement, the finish of that match, um, a big deal. Big deal! So, next for you is... I will... You brought up The Undertaker, so I'll bring him up. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, the 1990 Survivor Series Undertaker debuting. An iconic moment if there ever was one. And then Gorilla Monsoon hit him with a tombstone. What? I think he calls it a tombstone. <laughs> he calls that the tombstone. I think I think he calls it a tombstone. <laughs> I mean, it, it had been called a tombstone pile driver like before that. Yeah. But but you take that silly faux pas away from it like <clears throat> thing that you look back on it like that was the one that I put on my list that maybe right at the moment it might have not been an iconic moment you know yeah but you get five six years seven years after it you know it's <clears throat> like I was a I was alive and I was watching wrestling when this guy debuted yeah you know, it's like he's he's the legend that I can say that I knew. I watched it the minute it began. Right. And I've been watching it ever since. Like, I can't tell you the first time Ric Flair ever appeared on television. Mm-hmm. It wasn't alive. I can't tell you the first time. I, I can't tell you when Dusty Rhodes and like had his altercation with Pac song which when you watch it now you're like oh yeah that shit was cool you know right. but I didn't see it as it happened see it as it happened but I can tell you that I watched the Undertaker debut mm-hmm. and you that was a character that you had like nothing like you had ever seen before oh yeah with the no selling and the, the, just the and and also, if you think about it, the WWF at the time, that was a that was a that was a creepy, scary, dark character. Dark character. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that had ever been seen before. So I would say Undertaker debuting at the Survivor Series is an iconic moment in my opinion. Good call. So the next one on my list, number nine, is um, another another modern one, or fairly modern one. We go back to 2011 here. It is uh, CM Punk beating John Cena for the title at Money in the Bank. Actually, I think for the two the the 2010s, that's the most iconic moment in wrestling for for this decade. Um, that the the the, the how often is a crowd so loud and so intense that it shakes the cameras? Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I mean that was that was 
And then him blowing Vince the kiss and taking off with the yeah. title. Like at that and time, Vince, Vince McMahon allowing something that wasn't like his complete idea to involve him. Mm-hmm. Like Vince knew that even though this isn't my idea, I have to be involved in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And on top of that, like, and and the thing that sucks about that angle is you, you, you fast forward three months and how they fucking botched the whole thing. But yeah, they, that, uh, that they, angle, they, that angle was so good that at, at the time, those of us who were, you know, and again, still a wrestling fan, but not wrestling fans like we used to be. Those of us that are like that at that time, to be honest with you, I thought, well, shit, this could be another. This could be the beginning of something great. You know, this could be the beginning of another boom period. This could be begin, beginning of a, a new creative. Uh, I got my hopes up, <laughs> but it was that good that in this decade of wrestling, it really sticks out to me. And um, I think I think that's the uh, that's why it's an iconic moment. Um, and that's that's pretty much the last one I have, I think, on my list of like really modern stuff. But to me, Punk should have been allowed to at least go to like a Ring of Honor mm-hmm. show and defend the belt. That's the thing. It's funny because I was thinking about that when I was writing this list. If that whole scenario would have happened recently. It probably would have been like that because you know WWE works with like Evolve like and stuff now. Yeah, you know they they work with with Evolve and other indie wrestling programs now. So it highly possibly could have happened if it happened now. But hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think in that moment, again, we're talking about moments in that moment and on at that Money in the Bank pay per view in two thousand eleven. I think that's an iconic moment in wrestling. Punk's crowning yeah. achievement. So I'm done with that. All right. Am I next? Yep. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm not going in any order. I'm going to. The only one I'm saving is. I'm not even saving any of them. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, we're going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with like the main match on my card. And it's not even. I. I have a couple matches on my card, but it's the moment that happened in the match. But the entire match of Shawn Michaels, or not Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. Um, that match to me is iconic. Yes, it's the. Um, I mean, like, I, I know everybody I, talks about like like Steve like trying to like power out of the sharpshooter with the blood throwing like flowing mm-hmm. out of his face and everything. Yeah. But like that's the highlight of it. But that entire fucking match. Oh yeah, the match is amazing. You know, you talk about like like okay, maybe ECW had done it, but as far as and I don't even know if they had done it really. Yeah they had. But as far as 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 big league wrestling goes, WWF WCW that was the first time that you had an extended period like a walk and brawl. Yeah. You know, where the which you know, Jeff Jarrett then made a career out of. <laughs> but anyway, that they you know, they went outside the ring, they walked through the audience, they punched each other, they 
And then, you know, the it just the ma- it's funny because my favorite WrestleMania match is Michaels and Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. But until Michaels and Undertaker had their match at WrestleMania 25, um, Brett's, Brett and Austin is the greatest. And people can say Steamboat, Sav- or Steamboat Savage, but I think that Brett and Austin is, is other than Sean and Taker, the greatest ma- mania match ever. I'm going to go on record heat. of saying heat, that... Heat, man. Fucking heat. <laughs> I'm going to go on record of saying that Brett... And the reason I put it on my list, Bret Hart and Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13 is my favorite wrestling match of all time. All right. Like that. I, I mean, I can't. There's, there's no. I, I, think, I think it's a fucking masterpiece. It is absolutely. And it does. It does so much. Like, people can say that Bret's like full on himself like full of himself or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and thinks he's his, and Bret Hart is Bret Hart's biggest critic. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that, but Bret Hart might be the best, like storyteller in the ring. Yeah. Honestly, I really think that. And I, I would and, give, I would give him the edge over cause Randy Savage is a great storyteller too, but I'd be, give Brett the edge over Savage, knowing that Randy Savage, I guess, um, rehearsed a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people say, "Oh, Brett was repetitive, repetitive, repetitive." Well, every wrestler's repetitive. Yeah, but I, I just think Bret Hart versus Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13 is the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I really do. It would be hard for someone to shit on that comment, so. So, if they do, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. All right. And uh, that is definitely, and you know, I mean, you know, I know you said it. That, yeah, like Steve, like, passing out. It's, 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 it, for one, it's the greatest, like, double turn ever. Mm-hmm. And and for ninety for nineties wrestling fans, Steve Austin's bloody head at WrestleMania thirteen is is etched in your brain. Yeah, and and it's just it's a it's a great fucking story, and I love it. And mm-hmm. I love WrestleMania. There's been people that have downplayed WrestleMania thirteen, also just because of other than that match. So with the code, it wasn't a great show. I love WrestleMania thirteen. Yeah, I think it's I a good show. It's, it's a, a good. Show. It's a good show from top to bottom. Yeah, everything about it's good. <clears throat> but that match, it's a fucking masterpiece. The commentators do a god a goddamn good job doing doing what they do. Brett and Austin are amazing in it. Like fucking Brett and Steve Austin WrestleMania 13. Like when I was a kid, it was like. What I just talked about with Scott Hall coming into the WCW. Mm-hmm. Like, Scott Hall going into WCW and WrestleMania 13 were like... The shit. Fucking <laughs> shit, man. That's what, uh, that's what we were all talking about. And then after all that happened, then we were just telling like our teachers to suck it. <laughs> just crash shopping people at school. And we'd get in trouble. 
<clears throat> so I look back and think about myself and my fourteen-year-old buddies. Second, second, second. <laughs> second, second. Just crotch chopping here, crotch chopping. And that's the bottom stuff. line. Second. <laughs> So my next moment is also a WrestleMania moment. They'd be like, you gotta keep your lunchbox in your locker. Suck it. Suck it. (laughs) And then we'd wind up in ISS. (laughs) We told Mr. Mallory to suck it. (laughs) Go ahead, sorry. The... My next moment is also another WrestleMania moment. And like you said about the match between Austin and... um, and Brett, <clears throat> the iconic moment, obviously, is the, the Austin headbleed sharpshooter. But like you said, the match is an iconic. And to me, this whole the whole progression to get to this moment is iconic. It's the scene of Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Elizabeth at the end of WrestleMania 4. Trump what I said, but that's a cool moment. Savage with with the belt and Elizabeth on his shoulder and Hulkster with him. I mean, and then you look look at the tournament. Um, WrestleMania 4 is a little long and some of it is a little boring, but the story of Randy Savage through WrestleMania 4 is amazing. WrestleMania 4 as a pay-per-view and as a tournament is a great story. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a great story. There's some there's some boner ass matches though in that tournament, you there know, are. like it. <laughs> there are. And it, it, to me, like WrestleMania four, it's the crowd that fucks it up. Yeah, that Trump you know? Plaza atmosphere was. If that if, if WrestleMania four would have been like Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. or the Boston Garden, it would have been a different fucking pay per view. Mm-hmm. It really would, but. The story of WrestleMania 4 is awesome. Yeah, and like I said, just that thinking of the iconic moment. You know, when you when I, when I think of Macho Man, I think of Macho Man at WrestleMania 4 with Elizabeth on his shoulder and the WWF Championship. Yeah, and and Savage actually working his matches. Yeah, going to guys that got buys and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I said, it was in front of it was in front of like the first fifteen rows or whatever of people that didn't give a shit about professional wrestling. But they were just, been, yeah, they were just there to suck Trump's dick. Yeah, if that would have been in a wrestling, if that would have been in a wrestling arena, that would have been a completely different thing. And when you watch it as a wrestling fan, you're like, this is a great fucking story. Mm-hmm. And then knowing what it builds into. It's yeah. a year-long thing. It, it, it's fantastic. Well, we've talked Hulk about... Ho- Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage and then building to the Mega Powers exploding is one of the greatest storylines ever written. <clears throat> oh, yeah, we've talked to, We've talked about it on the show before. The two the two best stories that Vince McMahon have, has ever written was the story of Hogan and Savage and the story of Bret and Austin. Those are, you know, those those two stories, those are his and, his and, and greatest achievements. What's that? And himself in Austin. Oh yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, I mean I don't know. Like I said, that WrestleMania four, that moment sticks in my head, sticks in my crawl. So that one had to be on the list. So yes, Randy Savage, uh, Elizabeth and Hulk Hogan 
the end of WrestleMania 4, iconic moment in professional wrestling history. Alright, and this is my next moment. I'm going to play audio, and if it doesn't sound good, you edit it out. You got it. Yeah, it, it was fine. Okay. Our listeners have come to accept your shitty audio anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and that was actually, yes it is, it's on my list too. It was number two on my list. Mankind coming off the Hell in a Cell. Um, again, I know that it's That's been... That's like some shit. It's been. It's somebody's been, like, I don't know what wrestling is. They're like, okay, I'm gonna show you this. Were you Were you with me when that happened? Because I remember watching that. Like, yeah, that moment is so etched in my mind. We watched that at, in Bill Basden's attic. We watched that shit together. And watching that pay per view. They went up to the top of the cage, and you're like, oh, what are they going to do? Because, you know, Sean had come off the, you know, the middle of the cage into the into the tables. And at that point, that was like, goddamn. And then it, you're thinking in your head, ah, there's no way they're going to, oh, fuck. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. You know, wrestling, you know, there's the, 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 the envelope has been pushed so much nowadays and so many guys have done so many things, but I still don't think there has been a more death-defying thing in American wrestling as Mick Foley coming off the Hell in a Cell. There's been nothing in any wrestling. Like, like people do shit now, and I watch it, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> because I know that it's... It's a rehearsed situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard Undertaker talk about it. I've heard Foley talk about it. I've heard other people talk about it. When Foley did that, Undertaker was like, we're not moving from that. You know? Yeah. I gotta do that. And then Foley's response was, in his mind, was if I get up there, he's gotta do it. You know? <laughs> So there wasn't like, you know, cardboard boxes <clears throat> underneath the table that he got thrown onto or there wasn't like, you know, let's practice this 15 times just to make sure it's all right. Yeah, that was Mick Foley. And I'm not even saying that I think it was a smart idea or somebody should try to do something like that again. What Foley did was dumb. Yeah. You know? Like that was a that was a stupid idea. <laughs> right? 
it's it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest moment ever in wrestling history. Watching that guy get thrown off that fucking cell is insane. And then everything that happens after it is fucking mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and Batman you know what? For should for... not have been able to do any of that after it. Wrestling doesn't have the stigma that it used to, okay? Because it became mainstream for a while, and it's become so sanitized. Nowadays, it's looked at as another form of entertainment. But I'm going to tell you this, those of you that are not older, you know, I'm in, I'm 40. For, so for those of you that are in your 20s that listen to this show, I want to tell you something. In, in, in the... In the 80s and 90s, if you were a wrestling fan, people constantly wanted to tell you that that thing you liked was fake. And you know what this also did? Not only is it an iconic moment, but it gave you something to show non-wrestling fans that wanted to shit on what you loved. Yeah. You could yeah. show them something and go, well, fuck you. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what this guy just fucking did. <laughs> is and, that fake? <laughs> and then watch what he does afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, like, people can say that, you know, and I, I know he's just passed <clears throat> away and everybody talks about how tough he is and he deserves to be talked about how tough he is. Like Harley Race, mm-hmm. okay. Um, everybody talks about um, the badassness of Haku, because like he ate a guy's nose and rips people's eyes out and shit when he's provoked. And I understand that. And there's Bruiser Brody, and there's Stan Hansen, and there's fucking Scott Norton, and there's all these people. To me. When you watch something like that, the most badass human being ever is fucking Mick Foley. <laughs> say what you want to say about Harley Race. If you threw him off <clears throat> that fucking thing, he might have got up and walked out, but he would have been like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. Good- <laughs> it's, I'm been, out. It's, been good car- it's been a good career. <laughs> Yeah. Aku would have been like, see ya, brother. <laughs> Race now, would have been like, somebody take my damn resignation. Yeah, like, <laughs> the fact that Foley basically had a fucking another ten minutes after that is fucking insane. And I can say, without a shadow of a doubt, that I have shown that to people that aren't wrestling fans. Nobody ever shits on it. No one ever shits on it. They're like, <laughs> nope. what the fuck <laughs> Like, they're like, ah, that's fucking insane. And I'm like, I know, right? <clears throat> when I, when I, um... Those, those of you that listen, those of you that listen to the, also listen to the Motley Soup podcast, by the way, you can listen to that one too, uh, that I host with my wife. When my wife and I first started dating... You know, when 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 you when you everybody every every guy out there that's listening to this that's a wrestling fan knows when you first start dating a girl, you gotta you gotta ease into that. Hey, I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> but anyway, um, the first th- chubby, <laughs> she might like it. <laughs> the first things 
that I showed her, and the first thing she fell in love with about wrestling, she's not a huge wrestling fan, but she tolerates it. She loves The Undertaker. You know, I showed her The Undertaker, and then I showed her this Mick Foley deal, and uh, and she was sold on, okay, it's cool for you to have your silly obsession with men in tights and buy action figures and stuff. But anyways, yes, like you said, you show a non-wrestling fan that, there's no way they can shit on it. And uh, WWE is proving again it's an iconic moment. WWE is going to play that fucking thing in every entrance video for their program they ever have, no matter how PG their product is. So, yes. And it, it might be the most realistic wrestling call ever, because Jim Ross believed yeah. <laughs> God that they killed him. They killed him. As God is my witness, they killed him. He's broken in half. <laughs> killed him. So the next one, unless there's anything else on that one, I mean, we could talk about nope. that one for an entire episode, but I unless there's and then I'm going to pee and smoke a cigarette. If that's okay. Sure. All right. So I said I didn't have another modern one, but I guess I did. So you're a liar. Yeah, I'm kind of a liar. That's fine. Another iconic moment in wrestling, and it happened in uh, 2014. The end of the streak. The end of the Undertaker's WrestleMania that, winning streak. It was, again, you talked about being able to see his debut at Survivor Series 1990. We witnessed this man's career. We witnessed his WrestleMania streak. We watched it, and, and, and the way the build to that match went, that was the one year I was convinced, eh, it's probably not going to happen. And then it did. And then... That is the moment that silenced 70,000 people. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, like I, <laughs> you could hear I a be- fucking pin drop in that place. Yeah, I believe that, like, obviously we're, we weren't in the building, mm-hmm. you know, but I've seen um, video, or I shouldn't say, like, <clears throat> I see. Like, I know they say you could hear a pin drop in the Madison Square Garden when Ivan Koloff beat Bruno San Martino for the WWF, the WWF Championship. But I have a hard time believing that it was as quiet as when... <laughs> Brock Lesnar pinned the Undertaker. Pinned the Undertaker. <laughs> like... There were there were what like seventy two thousand people in that building. Yeah, around there. I'd have to look it up, but I think it was. Yeah, it was and, like seventy two, seventy three. And you could you could verbally hear Paul Heyman go, "Oh my God, I can't believe you." <laughs> that's that's <laughs> some that's something I've always wondered too. I've always wondered. I don't think Paul Heyman knew. That's what I was gonna say. I've always wondered if if Vince I, I Brock. Knew. I, I I've always wondered if Vince Brock. Uh, Taker and, and the ref were the only people that knew. Do you think the ref knew? Because he has to. He has to know to actually count the three. Okay, I'd say probably Vince. And didn't didn't uh, didn't little Nate referee that one? I think so. Either him or Kyoto. I'd, I'd say it was probably it was probably Vince Taker 
Brock, the ref, Hunter, and Stephanie. Yeah. We're probably the people that knew. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think Paulie got smartened up on that one because he's like, Paul's "Oh my god, you just beat the Undertaker <laughs> at WrestleMania." <laughs> I definitely know that black guy didn't know. <laughs> That's a he's he's right up there with Foley. He's gonna be in every entrance video they or every uh, signature he's video. There, he's, up there with, he's up there with Foley and Cena Kid. Know. And the and the Miz girl, <laughs> and fired up Cena kid. Yeah, <laughs> he's right there with them. But yeah, I definitely got I got. I got that definitely building, got that building. Like they didn't get it back either. No, I mean they did event. They they did for the main event with Daniel Bryan. But until that main event with Daniel Bryan, they didn't. Because those people were depressed. <laughs> if they would, if they wouldn't have let Brian win, like if they were, if they decided they were going to end the streak, they literally had to let Brian win that main event, <laughs> or that would have been like panned as the worst WrestleMania, or like not the worst WrestleMania, but the least feel good WrestleMania. But see, I don't even remember Daniel Bryan winning anything. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he won the main event. He won the title that night. See, I don't remember that. I remember going out on your porch <laughs> and smoking a cigarette and being like, what the fuck just happened? That and, was... And, 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 yeah, I was about to say... And, and going, the... I don't know if that was the coolest thing that's ever happened or the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I just remember going out on the porch to smoke a cigarette after that match and uh, those of you that listen to this show know this was a big thing to say. Me, Aaron, and Kyle were kind of quiet. <laughs> Like, uh, did my childhood just die? <laughs> but yeah, Taker's... Now, str- now he just loses to everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had shitty matches with Goldberg. So yeah, the streak ending. A, uh, iconic moment in professional wrestling. What's next on your list? It would be... It would be what do that could. <laughs> um, let's go with Shawn Michaels puts Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. I did not have that on my list, and I should have. Shame on me. What a moment in in pro wrestling, and unfortunately, that means Beefcake was involved in an iconic moment in professional wrestling. However. The breakup well, he was too dumb to figure out it was going to happen. <laughs> the the breakup of the Rockers. He was a rube in the situation. <laughs> For me, in 1991, when that happened, the breakup of the Rockers. The... Go ahead. No, Sorry. that was that was just it was devastating because that was a huge Rockers mark. But to it was me... it was also exhilarating because Sean automatically just came off as god this guy is an amazing heel yeah and to me as as a small child okay it was the most violent thing i had ever seen him wrestling yeah you know what i mean like like guys had turned on people like they had beat people up you know we had seen like you know Ron Bass 
attack Brutus Beefcake and 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 hit him with the spur, but it was censored. Mm-hmm. You know, but Sean putting Marty through the barbershop glass was the most violent fucking thing I had ever seen in wrestling. And as, as a child, I, I know things that happened before that. Oh yeah. But, like the horseman attacking Dusty Rhodes and like breaking his arm in the parking lot. Or the road warriors with the spike. Yeah, but I I, I hadn't seen that to where it was in my memory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, but to me, the first most violent thing I had ever seen was Sean putting him through that window. And it might sound stupid. But and I, and I know Bobby afterwards was like, "Oh, I knew he was gonna do that," <laughs> you know. But at the moment that Marty went through it, even Bobby Heenan was, was like, "Oh my god," mm-hmm. you know. Even Bobby was like, "Oh shit," <laughs> he didn't say "Oh shit," right? But he did without saying it, you know. Like that was the first like impactful thing that I know of as a child I'm going holy shit this guy is like a legit prick you know <laughs> and it was um, you know you look back on it now and it's like well you should have seen it coming because they planted the seeds and then when they came out Sean wasn't dressed like you know vibrant like Marty he was in the black leather jacket and, you know you look back on it now and you're like yeah that, that was that was obvious, but at the time, well, fuck, holy fuck, <laughs> yeah. And Sean was like a complete asshole. Yeah. He was like, "Oh man, it's okay, it's all right." Shook his hand, but hugged the man, hugged him, and then put him but, through yeah. a plate glass window. But when you talk about like iconic, that's why I was. That's why I was kind of asking you what you consider an iconic moment, because it might not be to other people, but to me, that's something that I, like, to me, that's, like, possibly the greatest heel turn ever. Right. It's Sean just putting his buddy that fucking window. <laughs> it, it might be the shittiest thing that anybody's ever done to anybody ever. <laughs> We've been tag team partners. We've been brothers. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm ready to go on my own, so I'm going to put you this, <laughs> through this window. Through this fucking window. <laughs> in front of this guy that can't articulate what just happened. <laughs> I'm going to put you through this simpleton's window. Ah, <laughs> uh, And nobody ever brought up the fact that you know, he left Brutus with the bill for that class. <laughs> safe light repair, safe light replace. <laughs> yeah. The guy showed up and he's like, I have this bill. He's like, what do that could? How pay, how pay that could? How, how, how Hey, that could I? <laughs> and you know, Shawn Michaels is an asshole, so Brutus goes up to him with the bill, and Shawn's like, "Ah, suck it, <laughs> suck it." 
All right, good pull on that one. The next one that I have on my list was also, and this goes to the the Facebook page. And um, again, like I said, we didn't get a lot of comments on this because we record late as hell and most of these people are probably in bed it's a it's a tuesday night for christ's sake but um listener jason gear also picked this one as an iconic moment in wrestling and that is uh, the king of the ring 1996 stone cold steve austin saying austin 316 says i just whooped your ass God damn, Jason Gear! <laughs> Scratch something off my list. So did I, right there. So good pull on you, Jason. Um, another one of those moments, you know. And we we're talking about the mid '90s, man. And uh, that's another one of those moments where your jaw dropped. Like fucking Jay holding his ribs, just looking <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Fucking Michael PSAs is out there, and Steve Austin's like, you can thump your Bible and talk about your songs. Well, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. <laughs> and you know what's great about that moment, too? It, it, it's, it's the breath. The you can hear you, you can hear the breath come out of the crowd when he says it. It's like, like you know when I was talking about like putting your best friend to the window mm-hmm. or whatever? That's like the shittiest thing you can do to your friend or whatever. Salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah, the the you can thump your, your Bibles. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John three sixteen. But Austin three sixteen says I just whipped your ass. <laughs> the shittiest thing anybody's ever said to anybody. <laughs> and and the birth of the the probably the hottest career in the history of wrestling. Yeah, like all those. Well, people the birth were, of the—I won't say birth like, of the career. You know, like, all, like, like you said, like the breath came out of those people. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then, like, twenty seconds later, they were like, "That is the coolest thing anybody." <laughs> That's a T-shirt. <laughs> like, this guy is a fucking bully, <laughs> but he, he is cool as fuck. <laughs> and. Yeah, man, like, Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Might be the shittiest, yet coolest (laughs) thing anybody's ever said to anybody, ever. Get out of here, preacher man. (laughs) Your ribs don't work. (laughs) Jesus didn't come through for you tonight. (laughs) You, 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 You beat your demons. Sure, you ain't smoking crack no more, but I broke your fucking ribs, and I just beat your fucking ass. And now I'm gonna blaspheme your religion too. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna destroy everything you believe in <laughs> as you're being carried out. Iconic, iconic moment, and again, one of those moments that WWE is gonna replay over and over and over again until. People have completely forgot about it, which probably won't ever happen. And it started, it started, I mean, it started the biggest thing since Hulkamania started, you know? I would say Austin 316 was probably even bigger than Hulkamania. Possibly. 
possibly. So that being said, unless there's anything else on that, what's next on your list? Jason and I knocked Austin 316 off your list, apparently. I have two Hogan things on my list, so hmm. I'll go with my first Hogan thing. That's thing. crazy. The next two things on my list are Hogan things. All right, well, maybe I'll knock them off your list. It would be um, Hulk Hogan pinning the Iron Sheik to win the WWF Championship. That's not that's not one of the Hogan things on my list, but that is definitely an iconic moment. That's that's the Austin three sixteen moment for Hogan. Yeah, and it's um, I was trying to figure out like when I wrote it down a way to like articulate it it would be like him doing that like when we would watch it would be like I know like it happened the year I was born 83 right yeah December of 83 I was born in March of 1983 okay but we would go you know, and rent video, like, I'm going to go into our childhood. Me and you would would go and rent videos at, like, Video Connection or whatever you want to call it. And it would be the video that was in in the plastic, like, box that you would open. And we'd watch it. And Hogan winning... The WWF, the WWF championship from Iron Sheik. When I watched it, it was like a different era, like a different mm-hmm. world, different you know, belt. Like, yeah, yeah, like it wasn't. Belt. It wasn't lit the way that, you know. Yeah, I know he, what you're saying. He had the belt with like the like the different little plates on the side of it, and mm-hmm. the leather was green and all that shit. <clears throat> and it, it wasn't like the winged world title that I remember Hogan having so when I would watch it on video cassette it was like is what I'm saying makes sense I'm sorry yeah well it was that it was that um, it was part of that open where like it the the stars like Vince like the, was describing the, yeah and you know he's talking about like in the in the time of of yeah, Zeus and yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to actually find it on YouTube right now, so I can play it. But uh, yes, it was um, it was it was an iconic moment. It was I don't even know how to describe. I know what you're trying to say. I don't even know how to describe it. But it was you at that time. Like, okay, my first, my first wrestling, for you, I can see what you're saying, because my first wrestling memory is actually before Hogan won the title. Um, it's, it's Hogan helping Bob Backlund against the Samoans. But still, that moment isn't etched in my mind other than that video. And like you said, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, a blast from the past or like something. I don't, I don't, I didn't see this, but it seems like it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, 
I <clears> wish <throat> I would have been there when Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik. It would have been the greatest thing in the fucking world. <laughs> All right, Joy Red Beads. I hear if you run long enough. Which means they did their job. So what's next on your list? So next on my list also involves Hulk Hogan. And it is it is that moment. It is that moment that we all know from WrestleMania 3 of Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant. That was on my list. I gotta scratch it off. Um, it's funny because I actually, and I know it sounds silly, but I actually thought to myself when I was making that, is is the more iconic moment Hogan slamming Andre the Giant, or is the more iconic moment the stare down at the beginning of the match? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the stare down at the beginning of the match is amazing too. That's another ama- like an, another amazing, um, amazing screenshot. I guess I could say. Everything like, about that match is great. <clears throat> the funny thing is, the match itself isn't uh, isn't isn't great. Like the 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 body of the match isn't great but the iconic moments of the match are amazing absolutely amazing and the image of Hogan slamming Andre and that's another one that that actually it's an iconic image but it's another one I didn't appreciate fully until until I got older because once I got older, then I actually, what do I want to say? I understood the, the, the beginning to the end of the, you know, how Andre's iconic career. And, and then you realize how big a moment it was for Hulk Hogan to body slam Andre the giant. Yeah. Even though other people had done it, I guess. You know, apparently Jerry Lawler did it. <laughs> yeah, can I do something for you? You can. Hold on. You ready? I am. You, even though you bitch about my fucking audio. You, I think you're about to do the same thing I was going to do. You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. You're doing the same thing I was going to do. makes me think about being a kid. Mm-hmm. 
Doesn't it make you think about being a kid? Makes me think about being a kid and grandma letting us rent those videos. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I remember those, those shitty black, like, fucking VHS boxes. <laughs> or when they'd put the, the video inside that plastic thing where you had to push the two things on the side to get the video to come out. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And how much yeah, of a pain in the ass it was to get fucking WrestleMania 4 out of its flip box. <laughs> God damn it. Hogan popped out and he was like, so brother? <laughs> but yes, absolutely. That's, you know, Hogan slamming Andre the Giant is, <laughs> is an iconic moment of what? <laughs> I forgot we were talking about that. <laughs> so what's next on your list? Alright, next on my list is... I only have two left. Okay? Mm-hmm. And how many do you have left? Three. And we're going to talk about this one, MLP. <laughs> it's Ric Flair winning the 1992 Royal Rumble and becoming the WWF champion. God damn it, that's an amazing moment. With a tear in my eye. That's an amazing moment in the history of professional wrestling. Are you saying, God damn it, because that's cutting it off yours? No, no. No, it's not. I have a Ric Flair moment here, but it's not that one. Well, that's mine. (sighs) Ric Flair, and at that time, it it was an even more amazing moment because at that time, it was still like, holy shit, Ric Flair's in the WWF. (laughs) I mean, he still hadn't even gotten over that culture shock. Yeah, and I've talked about this before, that the 1992 Royal Rumble has to be the greatest goddamn collection of fucking wrestling talent in one fucking match ever. I have said this before, and I don't know if I said it on the show or if I've said it to somebody else or what. I look at the 92 Royal Rumble, and, and, and this will play to what you're saying. I look at the 92 Royal Rumble as the official end of territory wrestling. Because everybody's in it. Exactly. Every every really, I mean, you know, I, I mean, not Harley, or, but you know what I'm saying. Like, every wrestler that in the early 90s that was a big name in a territory that was a main event top guy in a territory every, that could have possibly been in a match. Like was in that match. Guy is in that fucking thing. Yes. Other than like fucking like Barry Windham or Arn Anderson, they're fucking all in there. Mm-hmm. Fucking Kerry Von Erickson there, Rip Flair's in there. Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Hulk Hogan. In there, Rick Martel's in there. Martel, yes. Valentine. Sid. Hogan, everybody's in Tony Atlas, and, and fucking Flair beats them all. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a fucking masterpiece. Everything about that goddamn thing's a masterpiece. And fucking um, Bobby, Bobby and Gorilla, Gorilla, Bobby and Gorilla. What are you are English? Amazing. Are you English? Huh? Are you English, Gorilla? 
they're they're all fucking amazing. Any everything about that fucking thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. And and then the, at the end of it, fucking flares standing at the fucking top of it, and it's great because like he's he's with Mister Perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And Bobby. And and Bobby. And when Flair comes out, Bobby doesn't believe that he's going to win. You know? Perfect doesn't believe he's going to win. And you have this slight thought that even Ric Flair going in doesn't believe he's going to win. Mm-hmm. But they do. And I've watched that match. And all three of them at the end of it are just like, we get it. I've watched that match. I've watched that match probably, I don't know. I'm going to say easily a hundred times in my life, okay? Davey's in there. Davey does a great... Davey Boy Smith does a great job in that match. Can I tell you something about that match you may have never noticed, and I have just recently? Because, again, I've watched that Royal Rumble match... Literally a hundred times in my life, okay? And there's something that the last time I watched it... You know how, like, you watch a movie or you watch a match or something, and every time you do, because you're not... I don't want to say you get less focused, but you start noticing littler things because you know how it goes. Yeah. That match was also, in 1992, significant in that... Before Ric Flair came to the WWF... Okay. Who was the biggest heel in the WWF? Ted DiBiase. Yes. In that match, Ted DiBiase passes the torch as the biggest heel in WWF to Ric Flair. Yeah, they pass each other. They do. Literally pass each other. DiBiase starts the match and Flair ends the match. And I never noticed that till the last time I watched I mean, it was there, but I never noticed it till the last time I watched it. I was like, fuck, Pat Patterson's a fucking genius. Yeah, they literally walk past each other. Yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the greatest Royal Rumble ever. It'll never be surpassed as far as Royal Rumble matches go, I don't think, until, I mean, long after I'm dead. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ric Flair winning the 92 Royal Rumble definitely deserves a spot on that list. That's why I put it on there. (laughs) So the next... The next if, one. If I'm if I'm the person that's coordinating things. <laughs> the next one we're going to talk about also involves Hulk Hogan. For my last one, I said Hogan slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania three. The next one is Hulk Hogan turning heel at Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety six, and joining the NWO. I mean, for someone that was uh, a little stinking Hulkamaniac in the 80s, starting to smarten up about the business in the 90s, I mean, Hulk Hogan turning heel was a big fucking deal. Yeah, and Hogan turning heel is one of the two wrestling conversations on the phone that I remember having with you. Yeah? I don't remember this. 
you don't remember this one? No. It was like, okay, you were a teenager that had a job in 96. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you were working at like fucking... I was working at Musicland. Musicland, yeah. So, you were of the age that you were not <clears throat> going to Grandma's house for the summer, you know? Mm-hmm. But you were watching that, and you called me on the phone, and so you called me long distance. You want to hear how good my memory still is at 40? Okay. Wait, were you at Grandma's? Yeah. No. I was going to recite our our, uh, phone number from our old house on Chestnut Street, but... um, so I probably would have called you at 419-243-8725. <laughs> you called me at Grandma's house. Well, I would have called you from. Yeah, you called me from Grandma's house to... You called me to Grandma's house from Toledo telling me that Hulk Hogan turned heel. I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> like the only other thing that you ever called me that I can remember on the phone for was Owen dying. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to talk about that. For those of you that don't that don't understand the gravity of this, Nate is not a phone guy. Nate does not like to talk on the phone. Nate doesn't even answer the phone. <laughs> I don't like talking on the phone either. But either way, those were the two wrestling conversations we've had on the phone. And when you told me Hogan turned, um, that was back when you could still watch a pay-per-view through like scribbly vision yeah you couldn't see it but you could hear it (laughs) you know and and I tuned the the TV enough to watch like the replay of hearing Hogan turning And, and, and Hogan turning was fucking insane it's fucking insane the promo afterward the garbage in the ring the just the image of red and yellow Hulk Hogan giving Randy Savage that leg drop, and and you know what? It speaks to the talent it's one of, of the Hulk. worst leg drops ever. By it is, way. but what speaks to the talent of Hogan for me in that match or in that moment is okay. For ten years of my life, or whatever it was, eleven, ten years of my life. Hulk Hogan's face, his face, epitomized good, okay? And we, I mean, you know, we can talk about what's happened since and what we know about, you know, kind of a dirtbag he was and shit, but whatever. But when he turns heel and he does that promo, here's how good Hogan was. His face 
became evil. Does that make sense? That, like, and and honestly, if it would have been anybody other, and this guy doesn't get enough credit for it, if it would have been other anybody other than Mean Gene interviewing him, it wouldn't have meant as much. No, no. If it would have been like Tony Schiavone or fucking Chris Cruz, Mike Tenay, Mike Tenay, or anybody else out there, if it wouldn't have been Mean Gene, it wouldn't have mattered as much. No, because he was so closely identified with Hogan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it would have been anybody else, all the garbage in this ring. Yeah, and Gene getting pelted out there with him, it, it, it wouldn't have meant as much. <clears throat> and if... Like, I think this guy gets a bad rap, too. Like, when Hogan's coming down, you know, mm-hmm. and they edit it out, and, it's, and when Bobby goes, eh. Whose side is like, he on? Yeah, like, Bobby Heenan's character should have fucking thought that. Well, yeah, and Bobby did the, did a great job in that night and the weeks after being like, I have told you people about Hogan for years. Yeah, like, like people downplay or disparage <clears throat> Bobby for going, whose side is he on? Bobby should have said. Yeah, that. his character should have said that because Bobby Bobby Heenan's character had been telling had been telling us for years not yes, to trust Hulk Hogan. Motherfucker, <laughs> it's a piece of shit. <laughs> you know? Like if Bobby would have been like, "Hey, yay, Hulk Hogan's here," I would have been like, "That's unbelievable." Yeah, but Bobby's character should have been like, "Don't trust this motherfucker." He's gonna slip it in your butt, and that's what he did. <laughs> I've been telling you guys this for ten years. <clears throat> he's been building towards this that he's gonna slip it in your butt, <laughs> brother. <laughs> brother, put it in your butt, brother. <laughs> yeah, Hogan's the only person that could turn Bobby Heenan face. <laughs> fucking did it. <clears throat> so yeah, Hogan turning heel. So you have one left? Yeah. What I'm is gonna it? Check out, I'm going to check out my pizza. Okay. So what is next What is next on your list? Well, last it'll be last on my list. On your list. Uh, last on my list is something that I put on my list a couple hundred times and it might be my favorite wrestling thing ever wow. is um, Jerry Lawler slapping Andy Kaufman on David Letterman. Another fantastic another fantastic suggestion. Like to me that's the greatest thing that's ever happened in wrestling. <laughs> My my question about that it, it, moment. It's seriously the greatest thing that's ever happened. Because <laughs> it out took of it took people that don't don't even care or know anything about wrestling and made them think, "Holy shit!" 
What the fuck just happened? That's fucking real. So my biggest question about that moment, and, and that is an amazing, amazing pick that I did not think of. But my biggest question about that moment that I've had, and we haven't talked about it on the show before, and like Conrad says, I don't know when we'll talk about it again. So let's address it. Is do you think, based on the reaction, et cetera, et cetera, do you think Dave was in on it? Do you think he knew what they were going to do? Because this is this is early '80s TV. You know, it's still like kind of the jungle's wild kind of thing. You know, like it wasn't like today's TV where it's all so. You know what I mean? This is what I think. Like, did Dave know that that was going to go down? It doesn't. It doesn't. Downplay the um, impact of the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that Dave probably knew that Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman didn't hate each other. But I don't think David Letterman knew that Jerry Lawler was going to just fall off and slap that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he knew it was going to. I don't think he. I, I think he knew those guys got along, but I don't think he knew that Lawler was going to smack the fuck out of him, and then Coffin was going to come back with all them fucking explicitives. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think Letterman probably knew it was a work, but he didn't know it was going to be like that. <laughs> Which makes it even better. Yeah, like, holy shit. <clears throat> but to, and, David, to David Letterman's credit, and, I mean, he may or may not get enough credit for it, but <clears throat> of all the guys in... in in television that worked for corporate TV in the years. Man, you gotta give Letterman credit. That guy he would he he knew entertaining and he would let it be on his show whether people were going to tell him not to or not. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like Letterman is, is up there with just the shining lights of entertainment. And I've, I've gone on record as saying it a couple times that I think, I think Jerry Lawler smacking Andy Kaufman on the fucking Letterman show <laughs> is the greatest wrestling work in history. It's the best. Like, I watch it now and I'm like, Jesus Christ. These guys were just amazing they were fucking artists capture your imagination and I watched their feud and everything and there's that have you ever watched that Kaufman documentary yeah where like Tony Danza's in it and like Mm -hmm. Mary Lou and all that and they're interviewing them and and this is like like they have the WWF, the WWE Hall of Fame, 
and and people talk about oh this person shouldn't be in the WWE Hall of Fame and that person shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame and blah 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 blah. blah. I wanted, I I I I don't want to hate on it, you know. But I don't want to like. Unless Andy Kaufman's in a Hall of Fame with wrestling, there shouldn't be a Celebrity Hall of Fame. Right. Like, why is Mr. T in the WWE? Like, I have no problem with the Celebrity Wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. I have no problem with it. I, in, unless Andy Kaufman's in it. I see your point, but... I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a second, but, um, the, I think, I think that the celebrity wing of the hall of fame, if you look at it, it is celebrities that have actually been in WWE. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I absolutely think that Andy Kaufman should be in it, but I think that's the reason I think it's, it's, it's more, a, a, if you look at the celebrity wing, it's not, it's not all inclusive. It's mostly so it's it's all celebrities that have been involved in a an actual WWF WWE angle. Yeah. So that could be the only thing I could think of would be the reason for why it's why he's not in the in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Still plus bullshit. plus the people involved have to accept it. You know what I mean? Like maybe they have reached out. And whoever is the representative or whatever for Andy Kaufman's estate is like, no. You know, just like Owen. Like, I'm sure if if Martha Hart would have accepted Owen being in the Hall of Fame, he would have been in the Hall of Fame by now. Do you see what I'm saying? Andy Kaufman's family would have accepted. I'm just saying they would have accepted. So I have two left on my list. The one one of them is um, is one of those moments that you said, like you were saying earlier, <clears throat> you didn't actually witness it in person. You you, you were too young, et cetera, et cetera, or or it just wasn't on your radar. It wasn't on your TV. But as you go forward in time, or as you come forward in time, and you've watched the history of wrestling now, this one is in my list, and it is Starcade '83. Ric Flair defeating Harley Race for the NWA Championship. Yeah. Flair in the cage, on everybody's shoulders, celebrating his win. That was an angle that I honestly did not... Okay, so when that happened, I was five. I probably did not even discover that angle until I was somewhere between 10 and 13 years old. Yeah, when retarded Ang- Angelo Moscow was out there. <laughs> His son's worse than Eric Watts, by the way. He's like a Cro-Magnon. <laughs> what was his name? Like, Johnny Moscow or something? <laughs> it was Angelo Mosca Jr. Alright, whatever. He's... That's the shits. <laughs> what was Angelo Mosca's son's name? Like Angelo Mosca Jr. Yeah, it shows you how much impact it made on me. 
His name's Phil Mosca. All right. Fuck that guy. That's terrible. This is the, this is the listen. This is the <laughs> best part. I'm gonna see if it's turned up. Um, We've got off topic. I was a Yankee, and I heard this from so many people in Memphis. I was going down there, and because there are a lot of all that stuff that I was, there a lot of people that think that. And he was one of them. And I did to Andy. And exactly you what I would like to do to everybody that thinks that you way. Look, I didn't see it. Was, yeah. It was a chance to show him exactly what would it's really not, like. If there he were, would you? Really because like. let me tell you something. My father said, my father said, my manager said, they all said that I had a right. I could have gotten a lawyer and I could have sued you for what you did. And I didn't. And I just, all I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I, if I was uh, going to have a you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, yeah, I didn't. That's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, what kind of a guy are you? Okay. We're going to uh, pause here for station identification and get the hoses out of here. Smacks the shit out of him. It's like, <laughs> 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 and the band starts playing. <laughs> <clears throat> it cracks me up. Because there's like all this real shit happening around this stupid fucking wrestling angle. <laughs> <laughs> but Waller smacks the fuck out of him. And then the band just starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, eh, no. Okay. In, in, grand an, or in grand David Letterman fashion. Anything <laughs> else on anything uh, else on Flair and Race at Starcade? Uh, it was a it was a good match. I just think it's an iconic moment, you know, Flair winning the title. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. that's all right. So my number one moment, and then we'll uh, talk about a couple listener moments, and then we'll take a break and talk about some championships. All right, so my favorite episode, my two favorite episodes of Monday Night Raw are both from 1997. <clears throat> and I've talked about it on the show here before. My favorite episode of Raw is the Austin... Bret Hart Ambulance Raw. Yeah. I love that Raw. My second favorite Raw is from September 22nd, 1997. And it's uh, in Madison Square Garden. You know, you have you have that amazing um, Mick Foley, the three faces of Foley where they debut Cactus Jack in the WWF. And sells it like a champ. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. But iconic moment number one here for me is that's the first time Vince McMahon got the stunner. That, I don't know if I've ever seen a wrestling crowd as hot as that moment. Yeah. Like, I want to I wanna send that video to Vince McMahon and be like, this, if you, if you want hot wrestling crowds and not these crowds that sit on their fucking hands... At a Raw or SmackDown. What the fuck? That is... 
I mean, and you know, like we've talked about before on the show, it's funny how as time went on, Vince became kind of, you know, like immune to stunners or whatever. It's kind of funny. But... He takes that one, he flops like like, a fish. Yeah, like like a dead fish. Fucking take him and pop him back up. But I mean, is that or is that not iconic? Like, does that not stick in your brain? Yeah. I mean, that whole show sticks in my brain. But... That crowd, the 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 chemistry between Austin and McMahon, the it, when Austin's like, I appreciate, I I can appreciate the fact that you, that you care. care. Well, yeah, but you I can, can also appreciate the fact ass. that you can kiss my ass, <laughs> and then he stuns him, and Jim Ross is like, and Jerry Lawler's like, he's fired. And Jim Ross is like, God damn, I need a job. <laughs> Steve Austin is not going to be employee of the month. <laughs> just JR's just worried about losing his job. <laughs> uh, what a moment. And that was number one on my list. So unless you'll have, you have anything else to say on that one, we'll go to some of the important people, our listeners. Okay, let's take a quick break. Well, we won't take a break for the listeners, but we'll take a quick break for us. So let's go to our listeners. Or not. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. As you can tell, Andy Kaufman is here, sort of. And Jerry Lawler is also here. And there's some nights I wish Tom were here. But that's not the case. Is Andy, are you coming in here again, or... I am sick of this bullshit. You are full of bullshit, my friend. I will sue you for everything you have. I will sue your ass. You're a motherfucking asshole. As far as I'm concerned, you're a fucking asshole. Fuck you. I will get you for this. I am sorry. I am sorry to use those words on television. I apologize. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you, you're a fucking <laughs> I think uh, uh, I think uh, I think you can use some of those words on TV. I'm not but, but what you can't do is throw coffee. I've said it over and over again. You know what's funny about that? I mean, other than the whole thing. I think it's great because at first, if you listen, like when he first says you're an asshole, (laughs) the crowd's like, I don't know if we're supposed to laugh or not. (laughs) You're a motherfucking asshole. Yeah, we're (laughs) down. It's all good. So now we go to our listeners as we have covered our iconic moments in pro wrestling. And like I said, it's late. I know, we record this show late. So we didn't get a ton of comments, but we did get a few. We mentioned earlier Jason Gear. Thank you for agreeing with me. Austin316 says, I just whooped your ass. 
Another listener of the show, Ashley J. Smith, commented, um, Mick Foley winning the WWF Championship. As an iconic moment. And it really was. I mean, at that time, you know, especially knowing the history, and at that time you did know the history, of how that guy was not supposed to be a WWF superstar. Yeah. You know, he's Vince doesn't like him. He's fat. He's got a big, fat, flat ass or whatever. And um, I agree with Ashley there. That's That's an iconic moment in wrestling, you know, him running around the ring with the title and Vince's reaction. And I, it's... I didn't think about that one when I was making that. What's that? No. What's that? Shane's reaction where he was just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about no. that. <laughs> like, that would be a, an iconic moment. But I would almost put that as more than a more than an iconic moment as more as like a feel good moment. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely one of the best feel-good moments ever. Like, and I'm, I'm not discounting that it was an iconic moment, but I would put that more as, like, like, not like, you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember that as, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Or somebody, this is the greatest moment I've ever seen happen to somebody, but as this is like, it just made me happy. Yeah. That that Mick Foley got, a, got his moment as being champion. And on top of that, on top of that, it was a, it was a nice fuck you moment for the WWF to WCW too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're pre-taped. Yeah, you gave out the spoiler. But people tuned in and watched it anyway. And if that's not a if that's not a testament to Mick Foley's talent, I don't know what is. Yep. And the other comment we got here is from uh, a guy you and I both know, Aaron, Chris Wood. Big shout out to Chris. He doesn't like the Undertaker. <laughs> Well, Chris says, I would have to say it would be the end of WrestleMania 20. That image of Chris and Eddie victorious with all the confetti and the absolute display of emotion and success. And and we don't talk about Benoit a lot on this show because we have our personal feelings about... But if you're taking it in the moment, he's right. I mean, that was a big yeah. moment. That was an iconic moment, the end of WrestleMania 20. It was. Um, I mean, I can remember. I don't, I don't look at Chris Benoit. How should I say it? I don't look at Chris Benoit of. I know there's people that don't watch Chris Benoit matches. Okay, mm-hmm. and, I, and I get it. I don't. When I watch a Chris Benoit match, I don't watch a Chris Benoit match knowing of how he ended I watch a Chris Benoit match of what it was like in the moment 
the body yeah. of his career. Yes. Yeah. Um, I get it. I, it, and it, you know, you think about. <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think about when I I watched WrestleMania 20. It's not the same thing, okay? Mm-hmm. But it would be like, oh, I'm just never going to watch a Robin Williams comedy special anymore. Right. Or I'm never going to watch another Hulk Hogan match. Well, he didn't like, kill himself. But... He did do kind of outed, outed himself as a racist fuck. Yeah. You know, you would be like, oh, I'm just never going to like, you know. I'm never going to enjoy another. I mean, it's like me saying I'm never, ever going to be able to watch one of my favorite movies ever, which is Usual Suspects, because Kevin Spacey, that piece of shit is yeah. in the movie. It's, it's, yes, you're right. It's, it, art is art. And most artists, I mean, if we're going to talk about artists and we're going to talk about Hollywood, I mean, most of those people are fucking dirtbags. You know what I mean? Like, I just thought, like, I, I like Deadwood. Okay. I know mm-hmm. I've told you that before. Yeah. I was a Deadwood fan. It played for three seasons. Okay. And then in May, they put out a movie that like summed up the rest of Deadwood because Deadwood ended in its third season and it went 13 years before it had a fucking ending okay I just watched just watched the movie yesterday 13 years ago guess who was in Deadwood who Jeffrey Jones ugh <laughs> so there you go. Guess who was in the movie version of Deadwood? Jeffrey Jones? For like five minutes. Jeffrey Jones. I didn't let the fact that Jeffrey Jones has had some shit thrusted upon him that he deserved. Make me real. Make me say, "Oh, I'm not gonna watch this, this movie." Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I totally understand. When Chris Benoit comes on my TV, I watch the match because I, and I, it might be wrong, but I just look at Chris Benoit in a match as this is what the guy was when he was alive. <clears throat> and it's not wrong because it's art, and and like I always say, it's it's art. It's art. It's subjective. Like I can watch. I can watch somebody in a movie or I can listen to somebody sing a song and say, okay, that person was a talented person in the art that they decided to go into. It doesn't necessarily mean they were a good person. Yeah. You know. When Pretty Young Thing by the Jackson 5 comes <clears> on, people <throat> rock that shit. Right. ABC. Jackson was a pervert. ABC... Fucking a man in the mirror. Black or white? Black or white. That's how he didn't care what his kids look like. <laughs> Do I agree with it? No. But the fucking song's good. Absolutely. 
are good suggestions from our listeners. Sorry for, if I went on some kind of weird tangent. Sorry, it's our podcast. Um, good suggestions. I just mentioned that Jerry Lawler's in my favorite, most iconic moment. And he's a possible he's, pedophile. Oh, he's a possible? <laughs> I asked that with the heightened question Possible? mark. Possible? <laughs> Possible? So we're going to take a break on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. <laughs> and when we return, we're going to talk, like we did on the last episode, about some um, wrestlers that we identify with... As pedophiles. <laughs> With specific championship belts, I like this. Uh, I like this little exercise. I invented it. Yes, you did. Credit where credit, credit is due. Credit for my creation. What? I didn't want you to take credit for my creation. Have I ever done that? Yes. When? So we'll take a break, we'll come back, and when we return, we will have some uh, title identification scenarios right after this on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Alright listeners, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast And just a quick reminder that you can um, listen to this show No matter where you're downloading it, you can listen to it on any podcast app that you uh, subscribe to Or you can also listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Anywhere you can find your favorite wrestling podcasts, we are available. And um, also, just a reminder, uh, just to save my marriage, you can listen to the Motley Soup podcast as well. Search for that on, again, any podcast app, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Check out the Motley Soup podcast as well. That being said, now we are going to do a segment. And another friendly reminder. All right. Is that Captain Lou, who's in his corner, has said, a lot of folks have noticed that China has changed since she originally appeared in the WWF. I did my homework, and this is the list of her cosmetic surgeries. Breast augmentation, December 1997. Second breast augmentation, March 1998. Facial reconstruction, November 1998. That's what Captain Lou said. Well, he has some big titties, too. So... That was 
Waffle House augmentation. <laughs> so the next segment we're going to do is we're going to talk about some uh, some titles, some wrestling championships. And people, we, I, we identify with those titles. And Aaron sent me this list, and um, I'm responding spur of the moment because that's the best way to uh, to respond spur to something. Spur of the moment. It's the best way to respond to something like this. And the first one that you recommended was the WCW World Television Championship, and my pick is Arn Anderson. Okay. When I think of the WCW TV title, I think of Arn. Well, I haven't. I've, you expound on it, and then I'll tell you what my version was. Because it wasn't Arn. <clears throat> he had the best matches with the title. And much like Kurt Henning with the uh, Intercontinental Championship. When I think of that belt, the first person I think of is Arn wearing that belt around his waist with the four horsemen symbol flashing. And that's just it. I mean, that's 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 the best I can say on that. Okay. I didn't say Arn Anderson on mine. Okay. The person I said, and my <clears throat> age, okay, Mm-hmm. Is Steven Regal, and another good pick. He was my second. Like, he was my second pick for uh, identifying with that title. Like, is not one of the best programs ever. Regal and and Zabisco for the TV yeah. title. And I just when I think of that title, I think of the fact that I understand what you're saying with Arn Anderson. But to me, I think of William Regal going out there and having like 15-minute time limit draws, mm-hmm. like WCW Saturday Night, and it being like the best fucking match you've seen on the show. And the guy had the, <laughs> like the best matches with anybody. And he did. Like he'd go out there and have like a 15-minute <clears throat> time limit draw with like fucking. I'm gonna. I'm going to say a guy or whatever, and he's he was great. But, like, he'd go out there and have, like, 15-minute time limit draws with people like Brad Armstrong. And it's right. like, this fucking thing was great, you know? <laughs> and, like, Regal, when he was in WCW, no matter what, would have, like, the best match with anybody on the show. And he was usually the TV champion during... And it would be some kind of time limit draw or double disqualification or whatever. And he would, like, escape out of there with his belt. And I, I dug when he was, like, I really... One of my favorite acts is Stephen Regal with Bill Dundee as Sir William. It, it was fucking great. Yes, it was. And I gotta say, I mean, like I said, I put Arn over at the beginning. Um, but... Uh, when I think of WCW Clash of Champions specials, I think of Steven Regal TV title defenses. Yeah. 
So I, I can absolutely see where you're coming from with that. So I'm right. <laughs> okay. So the next one, and I'm going to let you go first this time. WCW tag title. The Steiner Brothers. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just waiting for you to tell me why. Oh, because in my childhood, I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed NWA, WCW more than I enjoyed WWF because I liked the wrestling aspect of it. And when when I think of like the Steiner Brothers... I hearken back to WCW, and I think of guys like to me, like WCW was like Sting, Luger, the Great Muda, Big Van Vader, and the Steiner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I think of them as being the the champs in the situation, and like. Rick like holding the belt in his mouth while Scotty stood over him while Rick was on all like on his like you know arms and legs like a dog and those guys like fighting like the nasty boys and doom and all that shit and just the Steiner brothers were fucking awesome I don't disagree I just when I think of the WCW Tag Team Championships, I think of, like, Rick holding it in his mouth and Scott holding it over him and just being the end-all be-all. And I, 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 don't have, I don't have any disagreement there because <clears throat> for that title, I actually have two um, selections, and one of them was the Steiners, and the other one is Harlem Heat. You had two for the last one, too. You're cheating. That's cool. Kinda. No, I didn't. I said Arn. And then you were like, yeah, I can see Regal. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can see Regal. I can see plenty of guys with the Intercontinental title, too. Fun, yeah. uh, but anyway. Yeah, I can see... Uh, I Harlem Heat would be a close second. Harlem Heat just... As a team, and it's funny because they're one of those teams like we talked about earlier, Shawn Michaels putting Marty Jannetty through the, the plate glass window. It is it is really a Shawn and Marty scenario with Harlem Heat because Stevie Ray, <laughs> like Booker really was the, the guy in that. You know, like Stevie Ray... People talk about teams a lot, and they talk about, like, the Marty Jannetty of the team. Stevie Ray was the Marty Jannetty of the team. He was a great tag team wrestler. Yeah, but, he held up his own. But singles-wise, singles Booker, Booker was but, the man. Yeah, but see, I'd say Marty. I know you're going to say, oh, you're right, but I'd say Marty's better than Stevie Ray. But Those yeah, ready day of the week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. <clears throat> but uh, I think that 
I think that after the era of... And the reason I brought Harlem Heat up was after the, the minute, era... The minute Stevie Ray started hanging out with Vincent, you're like, eh, I'm done with yeah. you. But the reason I brought that up is, like, after the era of the Steiners and Doom and Gordian Williams, I think that Harlem Heat brought prominence to the title more than anybody else. They had Rob Parker with them that helped and Sister Sherry. Mm-hmm. Like, the Harlem Heat was a a package. I agree. Like, if they wouldn't have had managers... But I'd also say that... that I would also say that about the Steiners, though. Because I'm... I a manager, though. No, but what I'm saying is, like... I guess the, re- the reason I'm saying that is because after... The tag team broke up. I'm not near as much a fan of the Steiners as I am as them as a tag team. Okay, well, we were just talking about belts. Right. So I'm not, like, saying to the the single star. If we were going to the single stars, honestly, I'm a bigger fan of Big Papa Pump than I am Bucker T. I disagree. I disagree. Now, I didn't say King Booker. Well, fuck. (laughs) I'm talking about the guy's whole career. I'm talking about just Booker T. The world! Heavyweight. I'm talking about Booker T, Big Pop Pump. I'm a Big Pop Pump fan. When you go with WCW. I'm not so much a Big Pop Pump fan. I'm talking about just WCW. I'm a bigger fan of Big Pop Pump and WCW than I am nah. single book T. Nah. Because Big Pop <laughs> Pump and WCW, funny as fuck. Okay, he was funny, but his matches fucking sucked. I don't care about matches. I care about a bit <laughs> He's going to entertain me. <laughs> I don't care about fucking matches. It's wrestling, but I don't care about matches. <laughs> no! Wrestling ain't all about matches. It's not all about matches. It ain't all about matches, man. But the angle and the promos have to lead to a good match. Not necessarily. Yes, necessarily. Be entertaining. Fucking bull. necessarily. <laughs> if the match is the only thing that matters, then fucking Brad Armstrong would have been the fucking greatest thing on earth. You know me. I'm a Brad Armstrong fan. <clears throat> About the fucking promos and what gets you there. Fucking Scott Steiner was entertaining as fuck. I don't know. I look at Steiner much like I look at Shane Douglas. I grew- entertaining and funny. I group Steiner with Douglas. Like, okay. okay. You have cut a promo and you have this is gonna get into an argument, but that's all right. 
Uh, Let me say this, years. okay? No, this. hold on. I haven't finished my thought. For a minute, you talking about those guys? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 <laughs> Guess who else got a great funny promo? And and backed it up with good matches. And didn't have good matches. Oh well, that's but, not what I'm talking about, though. No, I'm talking about tell listen to this guy that had great promos, but didn't have really good matches. But you can't say or deny that you don't think is super awesome. You ready? You ready? You ready? <laughs> man. Yeah. But he did have good matches. He had great matches. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. It's not. Scott Steiner. And Scott Steiner. Scott matches. Steiner. Once he got ballooned up, never had a good match. Ever. No, he didn't. What? What match? When? Sight one. I'll have to, like, sit back and watch him get paid. But I'll bring you five good Scott Steiner matches. <laughs> that's, that's a challenge for the next episode. Because oh, once he got ballooned up and started dropping shit and fuck and shit in his promos like Shane Douglas, he didn't have good matches. Shane Douglas, at November to remember, 97. I, I, we're getting into Shane Douglas and he's not even on this fucking list because, I mean, he's kind of an afterthought. But Shane Douglas had good matches, though. When? I mean, I'm talking about... I'm talking about... After he started using fuck and shit as the promo... As the keys for his promos. He had that good match at that Wrestlepalooza with Al Snow. It was alright. That's a good match. It's alright. How does Shane... How do you have a bad match with Bam Bam Bigelow? November to remember ninety seven. Bam Bigelow out of nowhere. I said Al Snow. But I'm citing the match. Bam. Okay, well, thank you. I'll <laughs> add that to my list. You said tell me a good Shane Douglas match. I said and you Al didn't. Palooza. It's kind of it's kind of whatever. And then you said Bam Bam Bigelow. So I'll I'll. <laughs> add that to my So, Bam Bam, Al Snow. The worst major Bam Bam Bigelow match I've ever seen. Major. Not a squash match or some shit like that. Not a doink match with Phil Apollo or Ray Apollo or the fuck his name was. Bam Bam Bigelow had a shitty match with Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas's promos going to the match were great. That's fine. Alright, you conned me into a ticket. But that doesn't mean you were a good performer. As a wrestler... I know, but I'm just saying, you said, tell me a good Shane Douglas match, asshole. And then you're like, oh, he had a good match with Bam Bam Bigelow. So that's when I went. (laughs) So I'll have the Bam Bam match and the Al Snow match. No, I said the Bam Bam match was shitty. I said, how do you have a bad match with Bam Bam Bigelow? 
Because nobody really had a bad match. Anyway. <laughs> I don't even know where the fuck we were. <laughs> Who do you recognize as the European champion? D'Lo Brown. That's what I said, too. Oh, look, we're in agreement. Fucking D'Lo, man. Like, did anybody do more for that belt than D'Lo Brown? Did anybody do more for any belt than <laughs> the European Championship? Oh, fuck no. Other, like, than, it, other than Hulk Hogan with the WWF <laughs> Championship. Like, D'Lo Brown treated like I, you, you laughed. But I'm saying, like, D'Lo Brown treated that fucking thing like it was the WWF championship. He did, and that's 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 the point. Like, and that's why I said Arn with the TV title. And you were right about Regal with the TV title. Like, a guy that, that gets that belt... I'm gonna hold on to this motherfucker. In a worked no, business. In a worked business. And when you watch it on TV, you feel like... Yes, that guy. And and you know what? Going back to Ashley J. Smith's comment on our iconic moments. Can you say that about Mick Foley and the WWF title? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that guy, you felt his passion through your TV. D'Lo Brown was so happy. (laughs) And so exuberant to be a champion in the WWF. I mean, you know, say what you want about the European title. It was just there and blah, blah, blah. People criticize it now and they can go fuck themselves because these guys are workers. But when D'Lo had it, it fucking mattered. Absolutely. And, 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 and to a testament to his talent and his passion... How could two of us say that that guy epitomized a title more than a guy that was actually from Europe, Davey Boy Smith? You know what I mean? And not that Davey Boy wasn't a great champion. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not dis, dis, dismissing his his title reign. But D'Lo, and you know who else made that title feel important? He wasn't the one I necessarily identified with the title. But another guy that made that title feel important was Al Snow. Yeah. You know, where they'd be like, Al Snow says he's from Belgium or (laughs) or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, but his was like goofy. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, like, Like he'd have the fish inside the pizza box. Yeah. But D'Lo was just like, hey, I'm from Brisbane tonight. <laughs> but he would come up there and have a great match. Mm-hmm. And I understand what you're saying about Al Snow, but when I think of the European Championship and somebody holding it seriously in their hands and posing for a picture or whatever, I think of D'Lo Brown. I agree. Absolutely agree. Okay. When I think of that belt, I think of D'Lo, 
Bobbing his head with a chest protector on. <laughs> you look at the real deal now. Woo! <laughs> there he goes, Mac and me. Woo! <laughs> Mac. <laughs> and the last championship we have to talk about that you put on this list is the ECW World Television Championship. Yep. Who do you identify most with that title? RVD. Same. I mean, <clears throat> honestly, how could anybody not? He held it for 700 days. Well, not just that, but just... <sighs> there was Eddie Guerrero, there's Dean Malenko, yes, I know, there was Two Cold Scorpio, but... <sighs> like you said, to identify yourself with a championship, to hold it for 700 days... And to, like we said about D'Lo, I mean, just, I mean, in a, in, a, in a kind of less respect, I guess. I mean, I don't know. But to just, to, to be the guy that you're like, man, that guy, that title means so much to that guy. You yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> in a worked business, this is real. To him. I agree. RVD as the ECW World Television Champion. That's who I identify when I see that, when I hear that title. There was one guy that I almost put over him, but I didn't do it. So, who was it? Shane Douglas. When Shane had it, like going into the barely legal pay per view. Like feuding with the pit bulls and shit. He made he, like Shane Douglas. I think made it mean something, and then RVT, RVD took it and moved it on. You know what I mean? To where it meant more than the ECW title. Yeah, but our... Shane Shane made it important, and then RVD made it the belt. On our last episode. Um, I talked about the ECW World Championship to me being identified with Shane Douglas. Um, even though I'm not a big Shane Douglas fan, um, I think that Shane Douglas took a mediocre wrestling career and said fuck a lot on ECW and made it into an iconic career. Um, yeah. I know what you're saying though with Shane. I mean, but that's the way I feel about Shane. That's the way I feel about Shane with the ECW World Championship. I think that it it, it really, honest to God, meant a lot to him, and that's what came through. And that's why when we talk about these titles, like it's what comes through those guys yeah. emotionally, and 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 you know for real. And the, and they really epitomize the title, and, and so I see what you're saying with Shane too. Yeah. And that being said, 
unless you have something else, we're going to wrap up this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Okay. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, after a great edition of the show, I want to say goodbye, good night, and thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Let me cue up our exit music. Aaron. What? Fill the room with words while I cue up our entrance music. Words. <laughs> We've been drinking during this show, folks. Drinking a bit. Maybe a little. <clears throat> but it helps us identify with our listeners who might or might not be drinkers. Say that. But that's one of the beauties of this show is uh, it's our show, so we can do whatever we want. Get smashed while we're recording this show. <clears throat> and piss, possibly, pissably, possibly listen to Al Jolson as well. Ha! Good to, to see. Goodbye. Like Toots Mond would say, Toot Toot Tootsie, goodbye on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Aaron, say goodbye to your listeners. If you don't get a letter, you know Aaron's in jail. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, where we're going to watch, apparently, ECW Anarchy Rules 1999, 1999. which means I assume I'll be watching my favorite wrestler ever, Shane Douglas. He said sarcastically. Goodbye, listeners, and thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll see you next time. Get hot! That's hot. Get hot. Pull pot.